Driving west from Chicago down I-80 is like going backwards in time. You leave the lush Midwest at the height of summer, where fireflies dance in some misunderstood rhythm to the cadence of horny cicadas. The verdant landscape of the wide river plains gives way to the standard prairies that now host corn rather than myriad grasses. Illinois would melt into Iowa were it not for the muddy border that is the Mississippi River. Iowa, for its part, would overlap into Nebraska were it not for the bright lights of Omaha. The shades of green go a little less verdant the further west you go. Perhaps this is the dried out nature of the western landscape. Perhaps it's the pattern of the monsoons, thunderstorms, and alternating weather patterns that tend to travel along our fair continent. Whatever it is, the landscape changes in spite of the man-made and natural borders we apply. After the sunset, we drove into the darkening west, always waiting for the next big lights. After passing Omaha, the land grew darker until our lids were heavy with fatigue. We pulled into a rest stop, put one of the kids in the back of the car on top of the cooler, and stretched out our seats to sleep. At 4 a.m., thunderstorms awoke us when the sky seemed to fall into us through the open sunroof. At 6 a.m., I woke up to see the rest stop full of cars with sleeping drivers. At 6.30, I woke up to find the parking lot empty, and for a moment, for a split second, I wondered if we slept all day. We found breakfast in the cooler upon which the middle child slept and started out into the gray horizon and green cornfields of middle Nebraska. Wyoming is long and high, and when you come to its end, you know you're in the west. The sagebrush stretches on and on like an endless sea, though you have miles to go before you reach the coast. The Continental Divide runs across your path like a jackrabbit or a skittering bird at 8,000 feet, but there are no deer this day, just antelope roaming. But Wyoming doesn't melt into Utah. It flows in like water through a canyon. The highway seems eternal until this point. It stretches on to where you can never quite see the end. In Utah, it disappears around a bend of the river, and you wonder if it continues on at all, or just winds like the snake through the flat-topped mesas. The Great Salt Lake sits stewing in the warm western sun, and you could get disoriented in the way the blue sky falls into the blue water like an hourglass. We stopped for the night at the friendly Barbadillo household. They made good food, and we sat around discussing our long history together around a fire pit in the backyard. The children were hyper from so many hours, sitting. We slept well and woke up to clear skies and red hillsides marching up into the Sawatch Range. Utah and Idaho come together like a circus as you leave the cut landscape and drive through the hills like white elephants. The blues disappear into a light white sky. I nod my head in remembrance at the place where the great writer is buried in permanent rest under pine trees where sun and river meet. Up ahead, the sky roils like a thousand centuries as we find the great desert snake again cutting its way through the landscape. Idaho stops at the border of Oregon, held back by snake and clouds. Clouds stacked upon clouds that sometimes come low like a great gray fist to pound the earth. The windshield wipers won't go fast enough to wipe away the downpour, so we slow to ten miles per hour behind a big semi. I turn my emergency blinkers on and travel slowly into Oregon. Into the rain that I remember so well, the sodden, sullen skies swollen with rain no longer release their water in torrents like they do further east and south. They drizzle it slowly over the landscape like a watering pot. From 70 degrees in Boise to 40 degrees in Ontario, 
We closed up the windows and turned the heat on just a little to take the chill off the air. For a while, the elk kept us company on the lonely basins of eastern Oregon. The Wallawa Mountains to our right were shrouded in the clouds, while the elkhorns rose a bit taller into the arid air of southeastern Oregon. We stopped in Baker City for a taste of Don Venucci, the vaunted imperial stout brewed for the 15th anniversary of Barley Browns, the tiny, out-of-the-way brewery I have long wanted to visit. Then it's up Dead Men's Pass, where you climb and climb so high you feel like you could see the ocean at the end of the road but it only reveals more dry desolation and Pendleton hidden in the folds of the hilly brown skin below. At the peak, you pause for just a moment, one deep breath, or two if you're a trucker, and then you set your downhill pace as you descend Immigrant Hill, known to locals as Cabbage. It's a 6% downgrade with hairpin turns, and I'll bet there's not a driver out there who does not wish they had a sports car in which to test their metal. But in this family car, in this bumblebee SUV, I slow into each turn and accelerate out into the nothingness for a moment before the road catches me again. This is where the mind starts to accept the fact that the journey does have an end when the road meets the mighty Columbia River before it cuts the gorge through the Cascade Mountains. Before this point, the endless green mile markers are meaningless, as are the mileage signs that tell you Portland still is 289 miles away. It's the wide river and the knowledge that up ahead it flows into the Pacific Ocean, a terminus that sits well and eases the anxiety of the traveling mind. You pass the big dams in the late afternoon, daydreaming of a time when they did not exist and the salmon fed the Columbia and all of its tributaries hundreds of miles inland. You pass Salilo and imagine the falls thundering past the feet of the first people who used them to catch the big Chinooks since the beginning of time. And on to Hood River, where you imagine the wall of icy floodwater backed up and pooling in eastern Oregon as it cut through Cascadia like a concrete knife during the Missoula floods, redistributing the wealth of eastern Washington into the Willamette Valley. The weather is always concentrated here, as if the mountains feel their weakness in the low elevation of the cut, and so they throw all of the elements at you. Rain, wind, snow, and ice are the weapons of choice. One mistake, a car crashes into the shoulder and rolls over, and the pass is closed. In winter, it ices over to prevent people from coming through the gap. The mountains are calm on this day. To my dismay, Mount Hood, the great sentinel on the south side of the gorge, is gone, caught up in the mists and the boiling sea of clouds above us. But it cannot see us either, and so we pass under its flanks and through the gorge with a few heavy rain showers, but otherwise no worse for wear. The western side is awash in light and heavy with moisture, and green beyond belief. All that soil washed down in the floods sprouts life so abundantly. It's as if you stepped through a portal into another world. The buzz of life on the western side is abundantly recognizable in the increasing traffic as the city of Portland opens up before you. We stop briefly on the eastern side of town to surprise my sister to meet our new nephew and cousin, Luca Zander. The last 45 minutes of the trip are the longest of all. From the busyness of Portland, we travel down the I-5 corridor into the wide mouth of the Willamette Valley. For us, this is the most memorized part of our trip. Every blade of grass brings back a memory of some drive to the city, the airport, or points north. This portion never goes faster. It's always the same pace, the same places, landmarks, road signs, and memories all rolled up into this final, necessary experience. Somehow, 
it puts everything into perspective before you can unwind at home. It reminds you of your place in the world, connects you to others who have traveled the same paths or different ones, and sets your mind for the time you have with family and friends. You can take different roads home every time, but you will still have that last stretch of highway, the familiar sights of your childhood on either side of you, or the quiet hush of the street you grew up on late at night as you approach. The road home is always the same at the end.